Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Now, Christian atheists, what is this all about? Well, if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, let me kind of catch you up to speed. An atheist is a person who says, I don't believe that God exists. And because they don't believe that God exists, they live their life in such a way that reflects that. They don't live according to God's laws and his ways. They, they, they don't believe he exists, so why would they? Now, that does not make atheists a bad person. I know plenty of atheists that are morally upstanding and good people. Some of them are my friends. Now, what is a Christian atheist? Well, a Christian atheist is somebody who says, I believe in God, and yet they live their lives in a way that reflects that he doesn't exist. They don't choose to live their lives in a way that, that is honoring to him. And so we have this interesting dynamic. And so every week we've been talking about what does a Christian atheist look like? The first week we talked about people who say they believe in God, but they don't know him. The second week we talked about people that say, I believe in God, uh, but, but I don't fear him. The third week we talked about people that say, I believe in God, but I don't want to go overboard. Like, I don't want people to identify me as a Jesus freak, as a Christian, as a Christ follower. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I want to go to church, I want to do my, but I don't want to go crazy for Jesus. And if you missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you all the podcasts or uh, recordings of those messages can be found on our apps. You can download that in the iTunes store or the Google Play store, and you can listen to all those, or you can follow us on our, on iTunes through the podcast. Just look for Simple Church Ohio, but uh, but all those are there for you. And let, let, me, let me encourage you with this. Redeem the time that you have as you're driving to and from work. Put something good in your ears instead of the morning zoo or some, some kind of trash music. Fill your, fill your mind with good thoughts. Listen to good things, whether it's Simple Church podcast or not. Listen to something good as you're walking on the treadmill. Redeem that time and fill your heart and your mind. Anyway, that was just a little, little ad. I'll just continue to push play on the rest of the service. So today what we're going to talk about is those that believe in God but don't fully trust him. In other words... They, they trust God in some ways, but not completely. Like, hey, God, I trust you, but not with this thing right here. There's, there's this part of my life that I want or need to be in control of. And so today to get started, what I want to do is take us to a passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy. Now, this is Old Testament, all right? And it's telling, the Old Testament is, stel- is telling the story of God's people, the Israelites, and their journey from being slaves in Egypt to what God said, I'm going to take you out of slavery, and I'm going to bring you to the promised land. And to do this, there's, there's the, uh, the plagues that he brings on the people in Egypt, and then they have to cross the Red Sea. You guys know the parting of the Red Sea. And then the Israelites go out into the desert, and God's like, I'm going to take you there. But because of some disobedience, they wind up spending 40 years in the wilderness. And, and now... Where this verse picks up, they're right at the Jordan River and getting ready to cross into the land that God has promised to bring them, a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't even know what that looks like, but it sounds amazing, doesn't it? A little bit sticky at times, too, but I don't know. Anyway, so he says, hey, this is the land that I'm going to take you into. So in in chapter 9 of Deuteronomy, verse 23, he says to them, go up and take possession of the land I have given you. Now, he's saying this to them, hey, go take possession of this land. And he wants to let them know, which is what the next part of this verse is going to realize, that, hey, you're not doing this. I'm not giving you the promised land because you're good. I'm doing it because I'm good. 
I'm doing it because it is my good pleasure to bless you. It's not because of something you've done. So he says, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You did not trust him or obey him. He's identifying, hey, listen, I'm giving all this to you because I'm good, not because of what you've done, because if we're being honest, you didn't trust me and you didn't obey me. The Israelites wanted God's blessings, but they didn't want to do things God's way. They didn't want to trust him and they didn't want to obey him. And many of us today are like this. We want all of God's blessings. We, want the, we like those verses that say, you're blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll, you're blessed when you come and when you go. And we're like, yes, Lord, be it unto me. Right? We want that kind of blessing. But we don't want to do things God's ways. We like the blessing, but I don't want to surrender and trust you completely. I don't want to give all of this to you. We are what we call partially surrendered. Part of our lives are surrendered, and part of it we hold on to because we don't trust him fully. And so today what we're going to talk about is how do we develop a heart that is fully committed, that is fully trusting in Christ? So let me start off with a question. Now, for those of you that are new, I like to ask questions, and I like you to participate, all right? Nobody's going to make fun of you. You're just going to raise a hand here, okay? So how many of you guys like to be in control? Oh, all my control freaks. Wow, a lot of you today. All right. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody that likes to be in control and they did not raise their hand, reach over and grab their hand and raise it for them. Yeah, all right, there you go. You might have a problem too, <laughs> by the way. Now, how many of you guys, so like for example, how many of you guys have to control what you're watching on TV? You've got to be in control of the remote control and in control what's on TV. All right. How many of you guys, uh, when you go out to a restaurant, you have to be the one to pick the place to go? All right, just, just a few of you, all right. And, and, and this is me too, so, so don't, don't be all upset, but how many of you guys, when you're driving or driving someplace in a car, you have to be the driver and can't be the passenger, and if you are the passenger, you sit there and verbally or silently judge the people as they drive? That's me too, I've got my hand up, you see, that's it. I can't, I, I can't stand, I don't, I, I don't say anything unless it's my wife, but, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I prefer to be the driver when I go places, all right? Not because I like driving, but because I like to be in control. Right? We, we like control. For me, I, one of my biggest issues with control is I like, and some of you are in this too, so I'm not, I know I'm not alone, but uh, so my, my biggest issue is, is I don't like to pay retail for anything. Is anybody else there? We don't like to pay retail for anything. And, uh, and, so, and so I don't. I, I try my hardest not to. And my kids make fun of me and say, why are you being so cheap? And how, you know, just buy the thing, Dad. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to see something in a store, and then I'm going to leave and go to another store. I'm going to research. I'm going to find the best price, right? I, I get so upset. In fact, I got a very hurtful email from Amazon the other day. Um, this is actually almost two years ago. Uh, and I share it with you because it was about halfway through the year, and Amazon sent me this email and said, hey, you know, if you had signed up for Amazon Prime, you would have gotten, you guys know what Amazon Prime is, right? So it's like $99 for the year. They said, if you would have signed up for Amazon Prime, you wouldn't pay anything for shipping at all. And I remember getting that offer, and I remember bypassing it and saying, oh, they're not getting me. I'm not going to sign up for $99 a year and get free shipping. I'll just pay the shipping. Well, then this email comes and says, oh, by the way, it's only halfway through the year, and you've spent $125 on shipping so far. You should have gone ahead and signed up for Prime. And guess what I did? I signed up for Prime. I paid the $99, and now I get everything without paying shipping. 
The other day, my son comes to me, and, and, I'm, and let me be clear. I am so proud of the initiative that he took. I am. He set up his own Amazon account. He's got his own bank account with his own debit card and his own money because he works for it. I'm so proud of him. And he ordered something on, on Amazon. And he comes to me and says, it's for something for his skateboard. I'm so excited for him. And he brings it to me, Dad, I got it. And do you know the only thing I said to him was? How could you do this? You just paid shipping for this. You could have ordered it through my Amazon Prime account. I, all the things that I should have been proud about and complimented him on, just gone because I'm an idiot and have control issues. <laughs> How could you pay shipping? <laughs> Completely missed it. But I, I don't like it. I don't like to do that. I don't like to pay retail for anything. In fact, it's a sickness. I, I have several examples of this, like recently. But the most recent one happened this week. I was in my eye doctor's office, and I'm there looking at glasses. We're waiting on my son to go back, and I, and I decided it's time to get some new glasses. And I tried on this pair, and I liked them. I was like, oh, these are nice. I took a picture of it, sent it to my wife, and she fired back approved. And I was like, yes. And then I took them off and I looked at the little tag and I was like, oh, man, because it's not very often that you find something you like and that she likes because, like, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I want her to be happy with what's on my face and how I look. And um, I look at the price tag and I'm a little, I'm like, oh, I'm not paying that much for these things. So I'm standing right there in the doctor's office. I pulled up Amazon. And sure enough, I found those eyeglasses for $180 less with free two-day shipping. Bet I hit that, and I started doing a little dance inside, inside the doctor's office. She's like, what is wrong with you? All of them are laughing at me. And I'm like, I, I just ordered those online and saved myself $180. And I said it really loud. People and customers are looking at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. But it's a sickness. I'm not paying that much. It's control. It's control. And all of us have these issues. No matter what they look like for you, we all have them. And what happens is because we have control issues in our life, if we're willing to be honest about that, we find that those control issues bleed over into our spiritual lives. Don't they? They, they bleed over into the issue and we say, all right, you know what? There are some things in my life that are not hard to trust God with, and so I'll give them to him. But this right here, that's kind of... That's kind of hard for me to trust him with, so I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to hold on to this, and it's kind of, you would identify it as impossible to release to him. And so here's what I want to do. I want to kind of take a look at a verse today where we're going to hang out. And uh, the, the translation that I'm going to give you, by the way, is the PSV translation. Some of you know this verse that it talks about this partially surrendered life. It is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and it reads this way. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you can make your own path straight. Now, if you've ever read this verse before, you know that this is not what it says at all. This is the PSV translation. Some of you got your Bible apps out right now looking for the P What's the PSV right now? I don't even know what that is. It's the partially surrendered version. Where we see that, hey, this says... This says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Well, that's not what the verse says. Lean on your own understanding. That's so not what it says. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and then you can make your own path straight. So far from the truth. And we laugh at this, and yet our lives reflect this. Oh, this is what our lives look like. We are partially surrendered to God in some area, 
if not all of our lives. In fact, the, the main thought for today, if you're taking notes, is that I'll give God some things, but not everything. And this is our attitude. This is a partially surrendered heart that says, some things I'll give you, but not at all. And in some ways, I think, if we're being honest again, because it'll require that of you today, this is all of us. There are some things that we say I'll give you and some things I won't. You see, I'll give you an hour for church if I have time on Sunday, but not my Fridays or my Saturdays. Those times belong to me. I'll trust you with my salvation because I know there's nothing I could do to grant myself forgiveness, and frankly, I'd like to go to heaven, but, but my kids, well, that's my job to make sure that they turn out right. I, I, I'll trust you and, and give you the first part of my day. But I'm not going to give you the first part of my finances by tithing. I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll follow the church on Facebook, but I won't follow Jesus in this part of my life. Look, let me tell you something, that God has a purpose for your life. And when you live according to his ways, that purpose begins to be played out. That he has what we call his best for you. His best is way better than your best. But sometimes we don't see it that way. Sometimes we go, well, his way would be more difficult. His way would require me to trust him with this, and I'm not, I'm not there. I, I'm not there. I can't do it. And what happens is it begins to affect our thinking. It bleeds over into how we think about God. We think, you know what? God's available to answer other people's prayers, but he's not really listening to mine. We think, oh, well, I'm worried about this, God, and it's really got me down, and I'll give it to you. But you're kind of taking too long to answer, and so I'm going to take it back and start worrying about it again, stressing over it. So I want to trust you with everything, but I just can't. We're Christian atheists. We believe in God, but we don't trust him fully. We just have to decide, hey, this is where I'm at. Now, there's a, there's a guy from the 1800s. His name is Charles Blondin. He was a French tightrope walker. And he was the first guy to ever walk across Niagara Falls. Now, this is no joke. The Niagara Falls is dangerous. It's over 1,000 feet up from the water, and it's 11,000 feet across, almost a quarter of a mile, that he has to walk across on a tightrope. And in 1859, he was the first guy to ever do it. But Charles was not satisfied with that. He said, you know what, I'm going to do this again, and I'm going to up the game. So the next year, he does it again. And he walks across on stilts this time. The next year he does it again. This time I'm going to go across on a sack. In a sack. So he's got a sack. The next year he goes across. He does it uh, on a bike. The following year he does it again. This time he walks out halfway, crouches down, cooks himself an omelet, eats it, and then completes the walk. Every year the media is like, how is he going to do this again to make it even more hype and amazing? Well, the following year he goes and he walks across it pushing a wheelbarrow full of potatoes. And he gets to the end of that line, and the press knowing that this isn't it, that he's going to do something else, says, you know what, Charles, you know how you can top your game? Here's how you do it. I think you could do this with a wheelbarrow and have a person in it. And Charles said, you know what, you're right. Hop in. <laughs> no, 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 no. Say, I believe you can do it. But I'm not getting in the wheelbarrow. That's crazy. And this, this is us with God. I believe you can do the impossible, but not with this. We all want the Peter experience. 
Peter was one of the 12 disciples. There's a particular story that we all love about Peter because, man, we go, I want that. The disciples are cruising across the lake, and Jesus sent them out there. He's not with them. And in the middle of their journey across the lake, a figure comes walking across the water. And one of the disciples sees him and says, it's the Lord. And Peter calls out and says, hey, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come out there. So Jesus is walking on water. I don't know about you, but I'd have had my own water. You know what I'm saying? My pants would have been full of it if I'd seen somebody walking on the water. And Jesus is walking. Come on, don't judge me. You all know that you, you, yeah. So he says, hey, Jesus, call me out there if it's you. And Jesus says, it's me. Come on. That's my translation. And so Peter swings his leg out over the edge of the boat, climbs down onto the water, and he is walking on water. A miracle. And we all want that experience, don't we? We want the miraculous. But more often than not, you and I are like the 11 other disciples who were in the boat doing nothing, watching the miraculous happen with somebody who was willing to trust and obey. We, we just don't trust. We want those experiences, but we don't want to trust God with everything. Now, look, if this is stinging a little bit today, I understand. I get it. If you're struggling a little bit as you hear and you've identified yourself in this message, I, I get it. But just know that you're not alone in your faith struggle. You're not alone. The, the enemy wants you to think you're the only one who doesn't have full faith, but you're not. There are times that I have that, and I'll speak to that in just a moment. But let me tell you about a guy in the Bible. Because it's in the Bible, and I want you to see that it's okay if you're struggling with your faith today. In the book of Mark, Jesus is confronted by a, a father whose son is possessed by a demon, and the demon's trying to kill the kid. He's tried to drown the kid. He's tried to throw him in a fire. The dad is stressed out. Any parents ever faced something with your kids that you didn't know how to fix, whether it was behavior or health or relational, like you didn't know what to do? And when you're distraught, you will do anything. And so this guy comes with his kid. I don't know how to fix this. I'm at my end. And he goes to the disciples, and they can't help. And then he brings them to Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, tell me what's going on. And the dad tells him, and this is where it picks up in Mark chapter 9, verse 22. He says, but if you can do anything, this is the dad talking to Jesus. He says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now Jesus is standing there. The son of God. The guy who spoke the world into existence with a whisper is standing before you and Jesus catches on to what the guy says and he says back to him, he says, if you can? Like what, don't you know who I am? What do you mean if? That father must not have read that verse that said now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. He must not have known who Jesus was. And Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the, the boy's father exclaimed. That means he yelled. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So if you're finding yourself in a place where you're like, man, I want to trust God with all that I have, but I'm having trouble in this area, it's okay. The Bible's giving you permission to say, it's okay to be that way, but you need to start confessing that so that you can deal with it. He says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. The man's faith is lacking and flawed, and we're, we're like that too. 
And I love that this verse is there because I see myself in it in a lot of areas of my life. God is giving us permission to ask for help when we don't trust him. Is I believe, but would you help me overcome my unbelief? I want to trust you, and I sort of do, but not really all the way. So what I'm asking for you to do today is to get honest. To be honest with God. What is it that you're holding on to? That you are white-knuckling. You will not release it to God and trust him with it. I want you to name it. You don't need to say it out loud. My encouragement is to pull out a connection card, a piece of paper, pull notes up on your phone, write it down. And decide, this is it. This is what I'm not trusting God with. In fact, whatever the blank is, I don't fully trust God with what? What is it? Name it. Decide. Is it, is it with your kids? Is it for your salvation? You're like, well, I go to church and this is nice, but I'm not really sure that I'm saved no matter how much I've done, no matter how many times I pray. It doesn't matter that I read my Bible. I still doubt because of my past that God's going to let me into heaven and that, that he loves me. Or I doubt his trust for me or his, his, his love for me or that he's forgiven me. I doubt that he will protect me or that he'll heal me. I can't trust him with my finances. I, I, I can't trust him to do what's best for me. I can't trust him to guide me. Whatever it is, be courageous. Be honest about it. Because let me ask you a question. Who do you think you're fooling? Not only is this being played out so that your family members and friends are seeing it, but God who loves you and is waiting for you to come to him and say, I do believe, help me with my unbelief, is waiting on you to do that. He's just waiting. He already knows your doubts. He already knows where you're struggling. He already knows what makes you anxious. You might as well name it and talk to him about it. Get it out into the light because when you take something from the darkness and place it in the light, that thing that's been destroying you inside and limiting your relationship with God begins to die. For me, I don't stand up here looking down. I hope you hear me. Week after week, I've said this in this series because it's tough. I'm not looking down. I'm, I'm right there with you. Because I struggle with trusting God, too. There's times I, str- I struggle trusting God with my marriage. I struggle trusting God with this church. Did we make the right decisions? Are we leading people the right way? Are we loving them as best we can? What if, what if, what if? If I let go of this, what happens here? I, but I have to learn, and I have learned that Jesus loves his church more than I ever could. And even when I make a mess of it, he has a plan to take the mess I've made and turn it into our message. I've had to learn to trust him with that. But I'll tell you, I'll be, I'll be completely clear with you. There's an area that I continue to struggle to trust God with. And every, it's, it's just an annual thing for me. I, my boys, my oldest boys, every summer they spend half of the summer with their mother in, in a city about 45 minutes away from here. And every summer, my heart breaks. Every summer I get emotional. Every summer... I have like a, an emotional breakdown. I get cranky. I'm mean. And if you've been in my life long enough, if you've ever texted me or asked me, hey, how can I be praying for you around this time of year, that May, June time of year, my response is always the same. My boys are getting ready to leave. I never handle this very well. I need to trust God because I don't. 
It's not that the environment that they're going to is a bad one. It's not that, that, that they don't have incredible opportunities because they do. They're learning a lot from their stepdad, and they're, they're having an opportunity to earn money and, and time with their family because you know, they're with me a lot. I, 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 there's all kinds of blessing for them there. It's not about that. Do you know what it's about? It's about the control. That I can't control what happens to them when they're so far away from me. I can't control what they hear. I can't control the decisions they make. I can't control who they'll be friends with and who they'll talk to and what they'll do. I can't control it. And it drives me nuts every summer. And here we are, the school year's wrapping up. And it's already on my mind. In fact, as I decided to talk to you about it today, the anxiety began to build in my heart. And every year I pray, God, I want to trust you with this. But see, it's so easy for me to trust God all the rest of the year because I have them. It's easy to say, yeah, God, I trust you with my kids. That's because they're right down the hall in bed. You know what I'm saying? It's easy. But when it goes out of my control, my true trust is shown. And God works on me every year. Every, every year. I just say, I trust you in this area. I trust you with my kids. And that's not easy to do. So realize I'm not standing here telling you to do something that is so easy for me to do. It's a choice we make. It's a choice we make to be honest with God and say, I want to trust you, but I'm not right now. Help me. Every year, I have to trust you. I literally have no choice. So I want to challenge you, it's whatever you've written down, to have courage and get honest and talk with God about it and do something about it that will help you give it to him. We need to develop a, a wholehearted trust. So how do we do that? Well, let's look at that passage I put up here earlier that was completely wrong. And this is the right translation. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. That's very different, isn't it? It's a complete and total and utter reliance upon him. Trust in the Lord with all. Everything. Your hobbies, your relationships, your finances, your choices. Whatever that may be. Trust in the Lord in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he sets your path straight. The most powerful and important word in that verse is the word submit. You understand that the Bible was written in two original languages, Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New. Proverbs is in the Old Testament, so it means it's written in Hebrew. And the word that's there for submit is the word yada. Yada. It can, mean, it, it can be said submit or in other translations of this, they use the word acknowledge. When you look at it, this is fully what yada means. It means coming to know and submit by observing, reflecting, and experiencing. So when I read that word again, and if I remove the word submit or acknowledge, and place that definition in, listen to this verse again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, this is where it would change, come to know and submit by observing, reflecting, 
and experiencing Christ. And then he will make your path straight. God will not bring order to the chaos of your life until you know him. But that's not what we like to hear, is it? We want God to fix everything and then we'll follow him. But he says, no, 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 I want you to know me first. That's the beginning of all of our spiritual, spiritual journeys, isn't it? And everybody's journey looks the same. God wants you to know him. He wants you to find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference in other people's lives. That's your journey for everybody. And it starts there. He wants you to know him. Before he makes your path straight, he asks you to know him. And he asks you to do this word, yada, him, to know him. Now, that's not just a knowing his name and knowing about him, being able to quote Bible verses to him. No, that's a, that's a knowing him in kind of the way we, not in kind of, it's exactly the way we see that Adam, yada, Eve. In Genesis, it said that Adam knew Eve and she bore a son. She conceived and bore a son. Right? So you say, okay, so is this yada thing a sexual knowing of God? No, 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 no. No, no. We, we interpreted it that way. That, that's not what it means. What it means is Adam knew Eve in an intimate way that led to the conception of their child. And she bore a son. God wants you to know him intimately in the way that he already knows you. He wants you to know him. And when we know God like that, when we know him intimately, we discover that we can trust him. And that God takes the crookedness of our journey, in other words, the choices, good and bad, and the mistakes that we make, and he takes our paths and he makes them straight. But it's only when we come to know him that he does that. It's in that order. But we don't like that. We want God to prove himself first, and then we will trust him. It's God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. If you'll give me the promotion at the job, then I can serve you. I'm thinking about tithing, but if I do, I need to know that I'm going to win the lottery and that I'm never going to have to sacrifice. I, I, that, I want you to prove yourself before I can trust you. But everything in the Bible does not show us that this is how God is. It, it doesn't show us that this is God's nature. He says, draw near to me. That's a command for us to move first, and I'll draw near to you. He says, hey, you take those steps towards me first, and then I'll prove myself to you. Get to know me first, and I'll prove myself to you. This takes faith. And faith is one of those things that comes first. In fact, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. We have to trust him first. And the reason we don't trust him, if you're in a place of not trusting him, is simple. It's because you don't know him. And then if you do know him, then you trust him. I think you and I are oftentimes like the African impala. The African impala can jump the heights of 10 feet straight up. And when at full speed, when they're running, they can leap 30 feet forward. And yet, despite the strength and their ability to jump in this way, an impala can be held in any zoo in the world by a three-foot wall. Do you know why? Because an impala will never jump unless it can see where his feet is going to land. That's us. We choose, see, jumping is trusting God. We don't ever want to jump 
unless we know where we're going to land, unless we know how it's going to turn out. Like, like if I confess this sin, is my marriage going to remain intact? I don't know. Jump. Trust. Find out. Pray. And it's really hard for us. But as you come to know God, it becomes easier and easier to do that. So here's the challenge. Whatever it is that you wrote down or decided today or named that thing that you're, you're not trusting God with, the challenge is within the next 48 hours, take a step towards resolving that. Take a step towards having, uh, trusting God with that. Whatever you're holding back, give it to him. And when you do, here's what I know you'll find. You'll find the goodness of God and you'll get to know it. You'll find and understand the love of God through that process. And then you'll find the faithfulness of God as you go through that. As I close up with this last verse, if you're getting baptized today, I wanted to go ahead and dismiss you to the lobby. and You'll meet Ryan and our care team, and they'll give you directions on what you need to do. But let me give you this last verse, and we'll close today. In Psalm 100, verse 3 through 5, it talks about these things, knowing God's goodness, his love, and his faithfulness. It says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. There's the goodness of God. And his love endures forever. There's the love of God. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. There's the faithfulness of God. When you trust him, you follow his lead, relinquish control, you find his goodness, his love, and his faithfulness. And his faithfulness isn't just for you, but if you'll trust God with your life now completely, it will affect your children's lives and their children's lives and their children's lives. Hidden in this verse is the key to killing the Christian atheist in you. And it's not a comfortable one. It's not a comfortable key. We want soft answers, palatable answers, things that make us feel comfortable. This is not going to make you feel comfortable, just FYI. See, as we look at this verse, God identifies us. What are we? We're his people. We're his people. And then it identifies us as the sheep of his pasture. See, sheep have a shepherd, and they trust their shepherd. They learn to follow his voice. They learn to follow his lead, to obey him, to go where he goes. They have complete and total trust and reliance on the shepherd. And God is identifying us as his people, but furthermore, as the sheep of his pasture. And when you look at this verse, it says that we are to enter into the gates and the gates represented the gates of the city. Do you know the only time for a lamb to enter into the gates of the city, what it was used for? Because they stayed out to pasture. They didn't come into the city. For a lamb to come into the city, it meant that that lamb was a sacrifice. And yet the lamb follows the shepherd into the city. What does this verse say? Well, if we are the sheep and we're to enter into the gates... That makes you and I a living sacrifice. That means the ways that we've been living our lives, the ways that we've been choosing to live that don't line up with his, it's time for us to live a sacrificial life. It's time for us to abandon our own ways and 
in pursuit of his. That's not easy, especially when it comes to trusting him because it means relinquishing control. It means turning it all, our lives completely and totally over to him. And when you yada God, when you know him intimately and experience him, your life becomes a living sacrifice because every part of you becomes his. Even the parts you're nervous to give him. And you get to know his goodness. You get to experience his love. And you see his faithfulness play out before your eyes. Whatever it is you're trying to hold on to today to remain control of, you need to know that you can trust him far more than you could ever trust yourself. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would forgive us today. Forgive us as we realize that we've been holding back, that we've been retaining control of some area of our lives. Lord, I pray that we would become like the dad in the book of Mark, that we would be willing to come to you and confess, hey, we believe, but there's part of me that doesn't. I believe you, but sorta in this area. And I want to believe, I want to trust, I want to give you control and I need your help. Help me with my unbelief. As we pray that today, God, I pray that we would do so from a heart that realizes that you are trustworthy, that we want to trust you. Lord, help us to trust you today with our whole hearts. As we continue to pray, there are those of you here in this room, you're not familiar with all this. Maybe you are. You know, maybe your life has been spent going to church, but you are partially surrendered. Maybe certain areas of your life have been surrendered. Or maybe, maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus to make him Lord of your life today. I've never done that before. What does that mean? Well, just like with everybody else in those areas that they are partially surrendered, it, it takes you surrendering completely and 100% to God. That's why people during worship, when we sing songs, they raise their hands. It's a physical act of surrender. And today, for you to be made right with God, for you to enter into a relationship with him, a holy and pure and just God, it will require your surrender. Your surrender looks like this, admitting that you are a sinner in need of a savior, admitting that there is nothing you can do, no good act you could do that would make you right before God and that you need help. When you confess this, You've been, put on a, you've been put into a proper perspective and a proper place with God. And he says, all right. I know you can't do this on your own. And since you're willing to surrender and confess, guess what? There's good news. I sent my son Jesus to pay the price that you were not able to pay so that you could be forgiven of your sins, so that you and I could be restored to a relationship, a proper relationship. Jesus came and lived the perfect sinless life on this earth. He was beaten and murdered and died upon a cross, rose from the dead three days later. He did all of this because he's the only one that could lay his life down and pay the price for our sins, to grant us forgiveness, to restore us to relationship with our heavenly Father. And today, if you're here, if you're ready to surrender and say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, guess what? You're in good company because that's all of us. 
All of us that are already Christ followers, we've just been here a little bit longer than you, and we welcome you. If you're ready, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer, to say yes to Jesus, a no to the devil, yes to heaven and no to hell, yes to a full and fulfilled life, and no to the emptiness you've known your li- all your life without God. If you're ready, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to be included on that prayer, would you just slip your hand up and do that now? Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know that you're here. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Thank you. If you're listening by, po- by podcast today, pray along with us. I believe God will meet you right where you're at. It doesn't matter that you're on a treadmill or driving, wherever you're driving, whatever you're doing. Join us now. Church, can we pray together so nobody's praying alone? Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I surrender to you today. I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins, Jesus. Make me brand new. I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.